Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Welcome to what I would refer to as the Guido Migliazzi Open. <laughs> Italian Open has made its way. Ryder Cup venue uh, preview. Second time we've been around this edition here. Um, I would say also we're coming off of a, a massive week uh, on the DP World Tour last week with Wentworth. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a tough event, right, to to get a grasp on because of what happened. Obviously, uh, losing the Queen on, on Thursday and, and play kind of being halted on Friday and, and not kind of knowing what happened. And I always wonder when you, it turns into a three-round um, three event, what could have been like and and you don't you don't want to get too hung up on that but like we saw it kind of was it the check masters recently where we saw three rounds and you, you just wonder if someone like someone like peters and check masters and then like someone like billy horshaw this week at Wentworth, like what would they have done with another round like it feels like they could have got going um so in a completely biased point of view i'd love molinari and horshaw to have had another round because um it, it felt like they had their bad round on sunday which was tough um despite the fact they actually put some decent scores in but yeah I mean coming down to back nine obviously Ram posts a number uh, I didn't see any of Ram I, I just saw that he'd posted the score and then you know it's kind of between it felt like it was between Rory Victor and and uh, Lowry right and Lowry looked pretty much in control we sort of said at the start I think we both kind of agreed at the start of last week that he was the guy that was the safest player I think you know we, we didn't know necessarily what the upside was in terms of winning but we, we were pretty comfortable that he was the safest so then it just leaves, like, I think Rory just a couple of bad wedges, just a couple of parts. Like, I was really unlucky not to make that eagle on the last hole. Um, I guess the only real disappointment out of the top bunch was Fitz. Yeah, I think going back to your original point, the 54 holes definitely, it factors immensely. I mean, like, with Gavin Green, that was the week it happened when we bet on Gavin Green, and it yeah. felt it was in our favor there, you know? Yes. I think that, the shorter the the holes, the the higher the variance, the more opportunity for golfers who aren't as elite, in my opinion. The more you play, the more the elites will go to the top, you know. So that's why yeah. we see first round leader odds be be different than outright odds. Like right. so but when you have the 36 hole leader, like having um Victor being on Victor last week, like then I was relishing the opportunity because all you gotta do is hold it off for 18 more holes, you know, like you see it both ways in that instance. But yeah, I would have loved to seen a fourth round because all the names at the top of the leaderboard, I mean, that was that was wild to see. Of yeah. course, a lot of live representation there too. Um, you know, Ron played, I mean, oh, excuse me, I'm not breaking yeah. any news there. Um, yeah, breaking news, Ron has gone for half a billion. Uh, yeah, um, Reed doing what he did, Gooch doing what he did, Westy was in the mix. Um, yep. I played showdown and, you know, those guys would did really, really well. Bland did good on, on Sunday. Poulter did good on Sunday. Um, you know, so um, there, there was, there was a lot of that, but I, I was so glad to see our guys, you know, really play well. I mean, realistically to your point, it was the three man show of the best golfers. And if you were going to include a fourth, it was Rob. It was literally the four best represent, representation you could have yeah. of PGA tour and the DP world tour playing in that event. Um, and then Billy Boy, you know, played played quite well. Um, I was happy for Horschel doing that too. So yes, uh, strong showing from the biggest event. Condolences to those, um, you know, with the Queen passing. Definitely, um, you know, it's a it's a whole different conversation to have, but hard to understand sometimes the you know the world and how big of a loss that is and the impact on on, on a lot of people and, and kind of what they've grown up with. That's been for our whole you know 
our entire lives uh, our reign. Yeah. So um, pretty, pretty crazy kind of fallout. And um, yeah, I think being able to represent the game of golf and, and showing what they did there, that was a, a really good, as good as it could have gotten for the DP World Tour um, this past weekend without you and I hitting an outright winner, unfortunately. I, th- but, I thought we were really unlucky, right? Like going, yeah. to, we haven't even mentioned Zanotti, right? That, yep. that would have been on 14 under without a double on the last. Like it just felt like it must be really hard on Friday because I, I think they cancelled Friday. So they could wait and see whether soccer would cancel on Saturday. Yep. And if they, if they cancelled soccer on Saturday, I, I thought they were just going to cancel golf. Correct. But then they did cancel the soccer and then didn't cancel golf. And I thought it was a really strange move. So I think what the players are probably thinking, like, football's well, soccer's been cancelled. Uh, we're not going to go back out. So I think it's probably a really tough mindset. And, and you kind of saw it, like, you know, some players played well, like Molinari shot 65 on day two, Rory shot 65 on day two. Like that. People did do it, but, like, I think it's hard to then get yourself up and, and convert to a 54 hole event and things like that. So um, I'd like them to do a Monday finish, to be honest, but I guess that makes the the um, logistics of Italy, especially with the field they had, they didn't want to jeopardize that probably. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, no, I think um, a fun way to, to go into this event, getting to kind of carry over a good amount of the field. You know, we see, yeah. see obviously Rory showing up. We see Hovland being back here, Fitzy, Hatton. Um, all kind of showing up here, some representation from that standpoint. Um, so I guess walk through, I mean, last time we saw this course last year, um, one of the Hoy guards, Nikolai won. We had um, Adrian Moronk and then Tommy Fleetwood were, were the top three at Marco Simone um, when we had it. So if you kind of go through that, um, and even some of the other guys that were littered across the leaderboard, seems a course where you can really take advantage with the driver. If you know Nikolai, like, he has to be on that type of course to really get the best out of his game. Moronk is similar in that manner, in my opinion. Um, so I think that's the angle we're going to go is just off the tee, being the focus, and then um, backing up from there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think last year, I, I can't remember exactly what our thoughts were going into the event, but I think it was actually a bit of a surprise that long distance sort of took over here. I, I, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm just getting events crossed over. But like I think it was... A bit of a surprise we kind of expected a bit more of a technical challenge and i think when it comes to the Ryder cup they might set it up a little bit tougher obviously to counter rats because you don't want to make distance important <laughs> against the american Ryder cup team right so um but yeah i mean for this event like you see nikolai hoygaard winning that kind of gives you a clue moronk was pretty flawless on the sunday i don't know if he bogeyed at all but he played very very well that day i seem to remember thinking that that was like a good chance for him to break through and then Obviously, like you mentioned, you, you had Fleetwood, you had Bland, you had Kalamora, you had like Cajonan. Like you had people up there that that are more technical and, and don't rely on distance. But then you had Arnaus in 12th. You had um, Laporte as a decently big hitter. You had, you had kind of Crocker and people like that, like Rasmus Liston, Peters. So, you know, inside the top 20, there was a lot of long distance hitters. And I think with the field this week, you're probably going to have to rely on that given the, the top few in the betting. Yeah, yeah. Totally agree. And, and yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean, the the scary thing of this week and, you know, our show is based around outright betting is, you know, we have Rory, you know, who yeah. if you mention of, you know, distance and what could set up well for the week. I mean, this is probably a, a really good course for him. And if he can just dial it, I mean, there, I mean, what he's plus 430 is the longest odds we see him. So from like an implied to I mean, he's got like a 20 percent chance to win. You know, he's about 50% chance to top five this event. Like, 
it's well above. Now you hope you you catch the other side of the coin from the way that we're going to be betting this week or overall, you know, being able to at least cash in on a place if Rory does run away with it. But he's on a mission right now to to show that you can play at the level he is and as much as he is everywhere in the world and more power to him if he continues to play play to this degree. Yes, it's probably not good for John Rahm, who keeps trying to say that him and Roy yeah. don't have to play those events, right, that he's going to go around and do all this. So, um, you know, uh, I think we've got a very realistic chance of Rory winning this event. Like, when you look at the fact that he's 6th, 19th and 11th around the green the last three weeks as well, like, his, his short game is in good shape. So, um, long, pretty straight most of the time, irons working. It's scary. Um, but I actually thought Victor Hovland, I mean, I'm, I'm not tempted by Fitzpatrick at 9 or 10 to 1. I think he played well enough last week to to warrant that. Of course, he can win. But but Victor Hovland, so he got the big three. Rory, fours, Fitz, 10, Victor Hovland, 12. Like, I think Victor's pretty tempting. Like, last week, he got himself into trouble on the Sunday of driving, hit a few lefts, etc. Like, not as not as visually demanding, I don't think, as golf course. And looking at what happened last year, I think he could probably get away with a few t-shirts. So, um, I think a 1220 is pretty good price. Yeah, we're talking before DraftKings prices come out from a from a DFS standpoint. Um, he would definitely be someone I'd be interested in. And I think even to the point, um, I, I don't disagree with you um, that Fitzy was somebody who, who you don't trust of the short-term form. Or not trust, the short-term form is not as appealing as the other guys. And in yeah. my opinion, what we saw last week, and we got bigger contests for the first time, you have to – you really get one opportunity or maybe two if you're lucky per year if you're a DP World Tour um, focuser on DraftKings to take advantage of the big prize pools. Now, this week's going to take a drastic step back. But, like, Lowry was, like, 6%. Horschel was, like, 2%. Reed was, like, 3%. Like, quote-unquote elite golfers or the best guys in the field – when they play in these type of events, I think you just can't emphasize only form when it's a peer-to-peer game and trying to get there. Like you could have made some really good ownership plays last week um, and, and set yourself up to take down contests. Even five of sixes last week because of the 54 holes were right there in the thick of things. So um, it's going to make me definitely more conscious of that because when you show up at a DP World Tour event, we see it like PGA form is not always – reflective of how well they can come over here even in the strongest of events so like i think that it's not going to matter as much as week when you're in a 500 person contest and you play fits but like when the prizes are big you got to remember that so i just wanted to make sure i made that point but yeah i'm not not really starting a card until i guess a little bit deeper into the 40s or, or 50s for me is there anybody that screams to you interest below that no, so Minwoo Lee was interesting at 40 to 1. I think he was uh, well placed here last year and, and had a good chance to, uh, you know, contend. But uh, he finished 12th. He, he shot 71 73 over the weekend after, I think he was leading at the halfway stage um, after both rounds, I think. So he opened up with a 64 to lead on day one, shot 68 on day two to be too clear of Nows, Fleetwood, Cajon, and Veerman. Um, and then just melted, right? And but he's, you know, he's won the Scottish Open. Is that the Scottish Open since then? Or did he win it before that? Um, it was before that, wasn't it? Just before, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know quite what happened going back to, uh, you know, back there at the weekend. Maybe just a bit tough. I was maybe Baronk could have been tempting considering what he'd done here last year, and but his form just hasn't been great since. So then I started looking at basically Mas- Masahiro Kawamura as my first defensive pick. 
Okay. Why don't you talk? I mean, I think this is, early, this is a week where we're not walking in as, as definitive. I got about a four pack here. Um, we're probably yeah. talking other golfers I could see myself getting onto, but um, you're definitely in on Kawamura. So talk us through here. Yeah, we, we, we kind of referenced him last week. Um, you know, he's fifth at this course last year. He's really like strong return to form. He's finished 22nd or better in his last four starts. Um, you know, he won in Japan. I think he was only 20, 21 years of age when he won there. Playoff loser in 2018. So we know that we can expect a challenge from him at some point. He hasn't quite done it at this DP World Tour level. We lost to McIntyre at the showdown. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's been flashes, right? And I just... I just believe in him long term. I do think he can win. Um, I do think that the, the the 50 to one number, or 55 to one number that you know you're getting because you've got Rory Fitz and uh, Victor in the field is pretty good. Like he'd probably be 28 to one um, if if you're missing one or two of those. So um, I, I really like the number you're getting on him. Um, I think I'm probably going to knock out Fitz again. It, it sounds ridiculous because he can obviously win, but I think just in my head, if I knock out Fitz, then that makes sort of the rest of the prices more appealing. Um, so yeah, that, that's where I'm going with Caramora. I think he's 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 got all the tools, um, hitting the ball well enough um, in in great stead. So sixth, thirteenth, and thirty-fifth the last three in T to green, um, and twenty-first, eighteenth. He didn't hit the ball great with his irons last week, which may be a bit of a bit of a disappointment, but the course is probably more suited this time around. And he's as long as sixty-six is over here, and I see him as short as thirty-five in some spots. Yeah, you know, so. I think just setting yourself up with um, the places is something that, you know, is a, a great way to attack overall this week. Um, for me, there's a duo. Um, and I talked about these golfers um, kind of in tandem last week um, as well. But I view Kirk Hitayama and Lucas Herbert as very, very similar golfers. Golfers whose driving distance is kind of the... I would say, you know, their their anchor getting to the green is, is based off of their distance. And then they, they both can flash with irons. Kitayama probably better than, than Herbert when it comes to, um, I guess, consistency with the irons. But lethal short games. Herbert, I would dare say Herbert is the best putter in the world. Um, or potentially a top five putter. Um, our friend Will Haskett had, some, had a tweet last week on, on Herbert's putting on how like he he led almost every crucial category last year on the PGA Tour, um, and he's he's been somebody who's been crucial. And like I just think he can show up and win at, at almost anywhere off of almost any form personally. And if you can get uh like his Open Championship was like it, we bet him the week before, and then you go into the Open Championship, and it it just did not change my opinion at all of him. It's just the way Herbert's game is. And I think that's the way Kitayama's game is. Both of them had top 15 finishes or at least top 20 finishes um, in the BMW championship, which I think was very telling because that's the strongest field probably of the year that you get outside of a major is that. Um, so I think fifties for Kitayama and that's only, he's only 50 because he finished 32nd last week. Um, and then, you know, Herbert missed the cut after kind of, you know, again, showing out a little bit earlier, but he's got three missed cuts and three top 15s in his last six events. So to me, like, I think he's very well can find himself into the winner circle. 66 is on him. So that's kind of my duel that I'd be starting the card with. Yeah. So I think I learned, I like Herbert more than Kitayama purely because of the difference in price. All right. Like I definitely take on your point that they're both uh, well suited to the test. Uh, Kitayama's finished third in the Italian Open in the past at a different course as well. So definitely like Kitayama, but I just think the, 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 the difference in the price in Herbert, when you factor in, like you say, that he can just win out of nowhere. Um, and that, that 15th for the BMW Championship is probably not being looked at 
strongly. And then, especially when you get the miscut last week, but he was 28th after round one, um, shot a 69 to open at Wentworth, which is no bad score. And then shot a 72 uh, on the Saturday in his round two, and, and he misses the cut. And again, another one that like 69, 72 isn't a bad score. And he'd finished ninth at the Irish Open and 15th for the Open Championship. And he's been pretty lightly run, but yeah, I mean, he's been really impressive. And that putting is definitely. Like in a in a course where distance is going to matter and, and you're going to make a ton of birdies, like your putting is going to come to the fore and that helps him. Yeah, I, w- I would argue that he's played like if you'd say like six of the hardest events that he's played this year, the API, yep. players, the Masters, PGA Championship, U.S. Open, Open Championship, like uh, and the BMW. I would say like so those are seven. That's seven events there um and he has top 15s in four of those events like and with no form really like going into it you know so in my opinion like there there's just immense upside for lucas herbert and if you get him at at that number in fields like this he's somebody you just kind of back and kitiyama you know two-time winner you know on the deeper world tour almost won the scottish almost won the mexico open he's somebody who likes it when it's open off the tee and can find a short game so um i, I think those two like are runaways for me when i kind of kind of look at it from from the angle at their prices and they're full-time they, they fall in that trap of maybe the next tier of full-time pga tour guys that when you come over for these events especially now staying over for a little bit longer maybe they get a little bit more comfortable um i i just love those two yeah, and you, th- you think, like, you mentioned, obviously, that Herbert's kind of, I guess Herbert's probably a, more of a big game player than Kitsiyama is in terms of those those higher fields, but Kitsiyama's been very consistent on the PJ Tour, and they both won the same amount of European Tour events. Like, I would say that Herbert's were slightly more impressive, but, you know, and he's won on that PJ Tour against Danny Lee and Patrick Reed, but that was a weird event in itself, the Bermuda, right? So, um, yeah, I, I think Herbert's a great prize, actually. Um Definitely one to think about. I thought that Eddie Pepperell around the same price was another one that you could go to. It's one of those ones where you're seeing a lot of inflated prices on people again, like last week, and it's hard to really nail down. So that's why I've kind of gone to the triple digits this time. Uh, I took a long look at Richard Manzel, um, just because, again, if you... you do, you, talk- do you think he's got a chip on his shoulder, despite the fact that he was like 48th reserve or whatever it was? You know what's funny? I didn't think he was going to get into this event. Like, he, he was on the... I'm going to pull it up as we talk here i think he like snuck into this event by the skin of his teeth unless he got an invitation but like it wasn't even like close for him getting into wetworth like you you can complain about that but like it's a fundamental issue at that point that like there's not any type of reshuffle or anything like i was just doing the corn fairy tour shows like those guys have to play like well to keep up with the momentum and like be able to, to get into events. You know what I mean? Like Manzel is three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's the ninth. He's the ninth to last golfer who got into the, the field this week. So maybe, and it's like a perfect course fit. I wish, yeah. I wish the number would have gotten a little bit deeper, but if, I mean, he probably deserves to be priced similar to where Kyle Mora is. So I think the fifties is, is probably fine. I think, I think with Manzel, it's one of those ones where, like, you're not going to get 50s one about him as soon as Rory and Victor and all that go back to playing PJ Tour events. So you've got to kind of take your opportunity. If, you, if you're if you a long-term believer of Richard Mansell, 
then I think you've got to take these opportunities in bigger fields because we've already seen that it doesn't matter if he goes to a weaker event, he doesn't take them down and has problems at big events, right? He's going to have the same problem in every single event. Kind of what we've said about Crocker, kind of what we've said about um, Dietrich, etc. It doesn't seem to matter what event they're going to do it in. It's just going to happen at some point. So if you're a long-term believer in Mansell, I agree with the, the course being a good one. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to play him just because I thought he was going to be ticked off. Um, and he should be right, but I thought it was just funny because I live players for him not being in. I was like, you could have taken all 18 live players out and he still wouldn't have been anywhere near it. So, yes, it's the, the tour's fault, but, uh, yeah, not, not the live guys necessarily. Yeah, yeah, just a, a really big, big issue when it comes to lining up there. I think somebody like Callum Shinkwin could could fit the, the mold of, again, and maybe it's just so easy because more often than not, we find ourselves – talking uh, how the course is going to set up in a way that we get excited about. And then it's rushing back to the golfers that are our favorite golfers who play that style yeah. of golf. You know, like it probably is just like you get the ball rolling and next thing you know, you're halfway down the hill with, with similar golfers to what you've been betting. But like Shinkwin, I mean, there's probably a tough time leaving off Minwoo Lee in, in this situation too, you know? So like, I mean, you, you talk to there, um, you know, I, just, I think Minwoo Lee is probably deserving of a pick, right? Like, I think if, if we're talking about Mansell being a potential pick at 50 and we like Karamora, then Minwoo Lee, who's won a massive event. Um, the, the thing with Minwoo Lee is you just never know what's going to happen. Unless he's playing in the big major, it seems to be that he could just miss a cut at any given point. But, um, you know. But is that different it, he, than Herbert? Is that different than Herbert? You know what I mean? No, exactly that. Yeah, I just think that with Herbert, again, I think it only strengthens Herbert's point that he's that Herbert's longer than him and, you know, they're probably a similar type of volatility and upside, I guess. Yeah, I could see myself ending up on, on Min Wu and probably will be a, a decently popular selection um, as things go. Um, continuing on, I guess, before triple digits, we opened up the show talking about him, but it's the home open, man. And they're giving us 90s? I saw 90 to 1 this morning when I woke up at Guido. They slashed Molinari in the home open to like 20s. That that really annoyed me because I really wanted to play Francesco after last week. And I was like, what are they going to do with him? Like he was 80 to 1. Let's get him to 40 or whatever. Like you can can cut his price for a top 10 and Italian open. No, 22 to 1. I was like, that's just... Let's, you know, let's pump the brakes a bit. Like, I saw him miss up, like, three feet for, like, that he's, he's like, he's, he's not back to the old Molinari of 2018 where he's making everything. He's back to the old Molinari of 2012 where he couldn't make a putt. So, um, yeah, to, to your point, Guido didn't get the slashing that, that Francesca has. That probably, I, I never think, I never want to be like, um, conceded or, or think that we move markets or talk markets, but there seems to be the, the Migliazzi mafia that we have, you know, that um, probably the books want us to back Guido. So I think I do, yeah. it might be like that boosted price. You might get Guido at like 190 to one here later on in the week, but a 13th at Wentworth, I mean, outside of the U S open finish, um, you know, that's, by far the best event we've really seen out of Guido um, on that stage. And what, what what's tough is, I mean, maybe a, a more open type of course where you can take advantage off the tee, but like not lose yourself off the tee. 
Um, right. you know, last week he's still, I mean, it's, it's not good off the tee right now. He was playing from trouble, but at a tree line course to finish 13th after struggling off the tee, if he was able to find any, any of his old ball striking game, literally like half of what he used to be, the, the dude is like the best around the green and, and, and putter out there in the world now. So, you know, you get him making Eagles on, on TV time. On, on Saturday, and then here he is, you know, just finding a way to finish 13th at that event. 90s, I mean, I wore the red. You know, maybe I bust out some green next week that we can get really into it. I mean, absolutely on the card. Yeah, I mean, the one thing for me uh, was that he isn't hitting the ball as well as we want him to. But as I've sort of said in the past, like, if, if, if long-term that's what his strength is, then you've got to think he's going to come back at some point. Yes, the driving looks a mess, right? But the irons have got to come back. Like, they will come back. And for us, we've seen it with Eddie Pepple, right? Like, it's just been a sustained ball-striking effort from Pepple. I don't see why Migliotti can't do the same. Gets back home into home soil. Maybe that helps. Or I think he doesn't need base himself in like the Belize right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's fine at 90-1. to Like, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to win, but he doesn't need to at 90-1. No, no. I mean, he just needs to, like, beat Rory by six, and then we'll be fine. Yeah. And then, like, he's on the Ryder Cup. You know, you win well, here, you, you probably guarantee yourself. What a, what, a best, what a best way to get yourself on the Ryder Cup team is to win your home open against Rory McIlroy. Yeah. Do, you, do you honestly think that, like, if Rory was coming down the stretch and someone like a Migliotti or a... Uh, not here as he's playing PJ Tour. If someone that's kind of on those fringes of being on Ryder Cup teams in the party, if someone goes toe-to-toe with him... On, in the final round. Do you think that does anything? I know it's so far out from the Ryder Cup. Do you think that sticks in his memory? I, I don't know. I think I think they, I mean, they're going to have Ryder Cup pairings this week, right? Like, yep. literally, I think those pairings matter to to those guys, you know, and, like, put an extra level of, of pressure onto to the event or, or maybe they get excited about, you know, like that yeah. pressure can go either way. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to see some Ryder Cup. Uh, is Donald, he's playing again. Donald's you know? playing, yeah. Yeah, so you get... Yeah, I mean, for those guys, I mean, these opportunities are, are few and far in between to be in, in kind of the the bigger of the event. So, yeah, no, I'm excited um, for, for Guido there and definitely finds uh, my card. But I, we're, we're aligned on the next selection here, right at triple digits. Um, talk talk us through Matthew Southgate being uh, kind of a lock bet for us. So I, I think he's I think he's probably one of the best bets of the week, right? Like, I don't think his game is being followed closely enough um which is good for us right like he's absolutely striving it 13th 5th and 4th his last three events in strokes gain approach 22nd 11th and 10th in strokes gain tees green still hasn't won on tour right which is obviously a concern but we always pigeonhole and, and for the right reasons we pigeonhole matthew southgate as a links player because that's just how he keeps his card every year that's how he performs his best every year but this isn't this isn't a links test, and it's not even by any means a links test. But it's obviously reasonably open. He's hitting the ball incredibly well. He finished 34th here last year, and I don't remember him being in great form coming in. Maybe he was. Um, you know, we can look at that. But like, I, I feel like he's playing some of his best golf, like ball striking, tees green right now. But he's the type that I think has got. I think he's got it between the ears to win. He just for some reason hasn't. Like, he's finished second in Dunhill Links, finished second in the Irish Open, he's finished fourth at the Irish Open again, a couple more seconds, European Open, stuff like that. Like, he's got it. I just, I don't feel the same about him as someone like a Mansell type thing. Yeah, I mean, you're getting the, the number, too. Like, I think it's, you know, factored if Manzo was 100, it would be an auto bet for us, you know? Yeah. It's 50, there's no chance. But 
maybe not no chance, but like, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I think if you, I talked to Pat about it a little bit today, like being able to like, maybe you have to be a little bit better about like just blindly, like not looking at the names, but looking at the statistics and looking at the profile. And it's just the game of golf, you know, it's just the way yeah. things, things flow and, and go through. So I think Southgate um, kind of screens that, and, and that perfect. I think one thing that I really liked about it was, and it sounds weird that I liked it, but like he missed the first four cuts in the Italian Open and finished 34th last year. So something about that switch suggests to me that this is a more suitable golf course um, for him than traditional Italian Opens have been in the past. And the way, just the way he's playing right now makes me believe he can contend. So uh, that would, you know, factored in with the fact that, he, you know, he wasn't in good form last year. So he missed the cut of Kranz, 44th at the Kazoo, 33rd at the Hero, missed cut of the Kazoo again, 26th at the Scottish. So he's in decent, like, really good form right now. Like three straight top 23s, a fourth at Man in Himmerland. I like it. Yeah, I can, I can definitely kind of get in there. Who else from the deep range stands out to you? Uh, so Mikko Korhonen for me, and and I can't remember if it was you or Baroff that said that he would he was in like a really extended like run of form, and and I just yeah. didn't really notice it right. Like and then he'd finished eighth on this golf course last year. He's got three more top twenty fives in this event at other sites, and before he missed the cut of Wentworth, which is fine considering what was going on there. Twelve straight made cuts, uh, five top fifteen finishes. And yeah, he's like in his twilight years, but he didn't win his first event until 2018, his second event in 2019. So I think he's like ready to have like a, a big 40s and, and over like career, right? Um, and, and just one final round that he missed at Wentworth, like with what was going on, doesn't really put me off. So just the way he's striking the ball, that, that really long run of form where, you know, he's played well for so long, like 12 cuts in a row is tough. You know, considering what courses they change to and from on the, on the DP World Tour, I was quite impressed with that. Yeah, he's definitely one of um, Baroff's favorites week in and week out. So I can see uh, him with a compelling case always there for it. Um, this is when I get into this range, especially at the Italian Open, there's, there's one thing that really stands out to me, and it is the, the names that we get in this field. Tom, we have some unbelievable names overall. Um, if you had to, I guess the, the first one that stood out to me from just a pure beautiful um, name. Let me see if I want to make sure I don't want to. Yeah, Stefano Mazzoli. That's a great one. We have Gregory De Leo, Giovanni Manzoni. That's that's the one right there. You can put that in the Hall of Fame, Giovanni Manzoni. Um, but I just love that they give the invitations to these guys year in and year out. Yeah, I do. And I think there's a, is it a Gregorio De Leo? Well, I haven't got the pronunciation like you. You sound like, like you sound like a real like uh, soprano type thing there but um you know it, it yeah it's amazing it's nice to see them in it and i think you've got one guy that i think you can make a, a reasonably compelling case for yeah i think filippo celli um filippo celli you know if you talk about the open championship um and golfers who, who performed well and then kind of carried over we liked him um after he played um he had a little stretch around so he's he won the european amateur and then he went and finished 47th at the open championship Missed the cut of the kazoo where we I liked him and was on. And he was T7 uh, at the at the Honda the next week. He literally almost won that event. Um, comes out, misses the cut at the Omega. 
but then he had a, a really good so the world amateur team championship was um a couple weeks ago early september um, i guess it was last week september 3rd and he played in that got the invitation he finished fourth there that was full of the best amateurs in the world data golf rated that out as literally his best performance on the entire season when it came to a stroke gain perspective so they had some really, I mean, Greaser won that event who was in the, I think the final eight or, or really good um, at the amateur. He's he's one of the best golfer, amateur golfers right now. So you're getting Shelly at 500 to one um, this week. It's it's sad, not sad to say. Um, it's easy to fall into the narrative of the home opening mattering and like actually making an impact. But man, we see it all the time uh, on the DP World Tour some random national open invitation is there on Sunday. Like it is not a coincidence that it happens more often than, than we think it would. No, I agree. And I think, you know, just, just thinking back to how well he played at that hander, like I remember you putting him up just after the open and thinking like, you know, it's, it's fun to put him up, but, and if he gets the top 20, right, which is what you were kind of talking about and top tens and things like that, that'd be great. Uh, but didn't really have, you know, have him down to particularly winning, um, and then he just played like so well that that hander invitational, like just stuck around all week. Like he was third uh, at the 36 hole stage, and yeah, he shot 72 on Saturday, but he only dropped down to eighth, and then he shot 68 in the final to finish seventh. Like that's that's really impressive for someone at, at such an early point in his career. Like he could have easily have shot 78 or 80 on Saturday and just fell to 47th, which is what we see from a lot of golfers, like not even just Chelly. We see that from Richard Mansell, for example, not to keep picking on him, but like it, it does happen for people that haven't been there before. Yeah, I totally agree. Like it's, uh, you hope you nail the right one. Now of, of the other like amateurs that like could have like, not amateurs or, I mean, there's a mix of, of who it's coming from, from the Italian side. Um, but DeLeo would be the one he has won three times in the last three months on the Alps tour, um, overall, um, he would probably be, I mean, Manzoni has a handful of, of top tens or top seven finishes leading in, but like Shelly just really stands out. You know, you have a, and I think it would be Andrea Saracini, like Saracino, like you just get some, some unbelievable Manfredi, Manica, man, this is. Like, this is the best part of your week, isn't it? It's just picking yeah. through these names and, and giving them the best pronunciations ever. Like, you've nailed these. Axis had a tweet this morning. Did you see one of the Italian national spots was, was filled up by Alex Fitzpatrick this week? <laughs> Amazing. So, um, I mean, maybe there. Now, there are some deeper guys that have shown some flashes recently. Um, I was actually surprised I didn't hear you maybe interested in Dan Heising. He's, he's shown a, a decent run of golf. Now, I wouldn't think it would fit his style of game, but um, for, for the long shots. Now, another golfer, I wouldn't be surprised. I need to, need to dig into a little bit, a little, uh, a little more. But, man, I woke up Thursday morning thinking, holy cow, Valamaki might win this thing. <laughs> Yeah, he I know. He was but he was yeah. five under through 13 and you light up the, those final six holes. You know what I mean? Like it was there for the taking for Valamaki. He misses the cut. But then you also think about it. That's the first time we've seen Valamaki since uh, like eight weeks. It was a long yeah. time that we didn't see him. So maybe this rust, we saw Fleetwood show out, shoot an eight under and then kind of fall off. Maybe competitive rust. Maybe Valamaki gets that off. I mean, his odds um, for Sammy are 200. He was 250 last week. So you get 200 in this event. I'll probably end up going back to Valamaki. Yeah, I like that. I thought that um, 
there was quite a dramatic drop off in Paul Waring's price at 125 to one, like big open course driving, mattering. Um, he's obviously missed a couple of cuts. And then Tom Lewis again is someone I, I keep talking about. Yeah, like he's he's as big as 175 to one over here. Like that seems a bit big for Lewis, who has been showing up. I didn't get to work my field last week. I think he's better than the odds suggest. So there, there's a the smattering of players here that that you could go to. It's a it's a really tough event to nail down. I think because there's such a big there's such a big gap between the top three and then like everybody else. Like it's hard to to narrow down that 40 to 50 to one range. You've got Rosner and Mimu Lee and people like that in there that we haven't really dug in too much about on top of the guys we picked. And it's if if you feel confident about Victor, I would play Victor. But like other than that, I don't think you really need to go to the top three guys. Rory wins at four to one. He wins. I mean, Rosner did the exact same thing that he's been continuing to do. Like it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. He's gonna win a vet, win an event by fifteen. Yeah. Here, it's gonna all, it's all gonna find one week um, for it. But yeah, I mean, I think he could have been interesting. Yeah, no, I, I'm okay. Kind of to your point, just starting the card a little bit deeper um, and kind of going through there and letting the week, you know, kind of fizzle out as it does. I think it's actually a week like that on the PGA Tour a little bit too. It's not even a star studded by any means, but. With, with the Corn Ferry guys all coming in, I think it's just a, another week of opportunity. So I'm definitely loading up the places this week and hoping to get lucky. Yeah, the Fortinet is, again, a really hard event to break down because you want to back some of these guys coming on the Corn Ferry show. I know that you've done a, a show with uh, with our fearless leader, Pat. So, um, you know, looking forward to listening to that because, you know, these guys need to hear about these Corn Ferry graduates. I do like Justin's sir. Uh, um, I know that there's others that you like and I'll, I'll let you talk about those on the show. But... Like, I do think it's a good week for that. And I think I think there's an opportunity for people to win from the outside here. Like, I don't think you necessarily have to pick one of those top three guys. I'd just be really worried about Rory, obviously. Yep. Yep. And I actually was able to do a show with uh, Monday Q Info uh, that released late last night that, I mean, he knows those guys like like nobody in the world knows some of these guys. So I think it's really cool to walk through. I basically told the statistical side and did that a little bit more on Pat. But Ryan was able to tell a story pretty much on every single golfer who's graduating, which was really cool and kind of brings it all kind of full circle. So, Tom, um, let's close out the show here, Italian Open. Uh, if you can walk through who your selections are. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Masahiro Kawamura. I think he said he's as big as 66 to 1 over there. I really like Matthew Southgate. I think he's probably my favorite odds-wise pick of the week. Uh, Mikko Korhonen, about 125 to 1, I think he's over here. Not sure over there in the States. And then I've kind of got a decision to make about Mimu Lee, Rosner, um, that, that kind of bunch there. But I, th- I think Mimu Lee, like you said, is probably one that we should look at again. Yeah, I think I'm going to end up landing on Mimu. It just fits that total bill of what I'm doing with Herbert. So so for me, so then it's, it's Kitayama, 50 to 1. You're getting Herbert at 66 to 1. Min Wu's longest odds right now, he's 60 to 1 stone DraftKings. So he's falling into there for me. And then we're getting our guy, Guido Migliazzi, 90 to 1. And then Shelly. I mean, Shelly's deep down there. Oh, I'm going to go Southgate with you. So I guess I, I'm up to six. There we go. We filled it out. So, so. Southgate's 125 to 1 for me. Wow. And then Lipo Shelley um, is 500s um, at, yeah, at Unibet. He's 500, he's 400 at, at 365. Does anybody have top 20s out? Yeah, Filippo Shelley is plus 850 top 20. So probably end up laddering out to there. And we'll be cheering our, our little Italian hearts out this weekend, Tom. We will. We'll, uh, we'll be ready for the fist pumps and, and, the, and the Jersey Shore memes by, uh, by Sunday. 
Oh, gosh, man, that would be beautiful. Just get in the mix. Get, get <laughs> one of these guys up here. Uh, Eduardo Molinari was in the mix last year uh, when we saw here. So there's definitely some representation. But I um, hope you guys all enjoy a Ryder Cup preview um, and enjoy uh, a great field that we're getting. And then we lead into the Open Day France next week. And then we're at the Alfred Dunhill. So um, kind of a, a great stretch of DP World Tour golf right now. I'm excited. Yeah, and you talk about that mix. I mean, DP World Tour picks and bets the mix on the on the audio format as well. So I'm yes. all perfectly aligned there. Yep. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. And thank you for closing us out, guys. We appreciate the support as always. And we will catch you next week. Take care.